Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey this is tony hi it's bethany hey rachel here hey i'm jackie today we're gonna be going into spell casting and everything associated with it Jackie, where can people find you at? You can find me on deathbymage.com, and you can also find me on Twitter at deathbymage. Basically, anywhere there are mages dying, Jackie is there. (laughs) Anywhere where mages are the source of your dilemmas and death, I am there. Yeah, mage-related deaths. (laughs) Magical-related deaths are all my forte. Excellent. Next thing is our lovely interview questions. They're so hard. So difficult. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Death by Mage, Jackie, uh, tell us a little bit about what you create. Uh, I write blog content on my website uh, dealing with anything from how to actually kill your players to also how to incorporate some homebrew ideas and expand on existing ideas that you may have. Uh, and I also write RPG content, so I also do other RPGs, and I also write D&D content like my uh, goal bestseller, Journey into the Feywild. No big deal. You know, it's just yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah. Just a gold awesome. bestseller. It's pretty awesome. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Awesomeness, you know, number, number one this and number one that. It's still available now, right? Yes, it is, it is still available now. <laughs> People can act now and get their own copy. Yes, they can. <laughs> Were you doing an updated version of that? I, I remember sti- you mentioned that. I time. am still working on the updated version of that. Uh, we're including 20 new pages, so we're including new character backgrounds for uh, fey-inclined characters. And we're also including uh, new character options. So we have we have new warlock patrons for every for all four of the basic uh, fae courts: spring, summer, autumn, and winter. And we're also including a couple of different extra things. Uh, and we're also including a, more adventure hooks. So it's about twenty new pages of content. Wow! Wow! Nice. As if the 60 wasn't already enough the first time around. <laughs> eh, you'll get to 100 at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. like, I was like, you know what? The 20 extra pages is the cutoff. We're, we're happy with this. It's it's divisible by four. We're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More is always better, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it'll be in a nice hardcover and everything. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. I decided to go like, no, we're going hardcover and we're going glossy paper. We're, we're going to spend money on this, which also nice. means the cost might be a little higher. But I think everyone will forgive me for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an investment, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's an investment. <laughs> Who doesn't want Journeyman's art uh, cover to be like in hardcover gloss? Yeah, it's intense it already is. just seeing it digitally. So that's pretty epic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So 
Jackie, since you were the one that initially suggested it, uh, why did you want to talk about spellcasting? Spellcasting is probably the most iconic feature of Dungeons & Dragons. It actually is what is identifiable about Dungeons & Dragons because the the way Dungeons & Dragons permutated was from wargaming and it, por- mm-hmm. and, it and it was from historical medieval wargaming and Gary used to be a very uh very accurate with his with his representation of of you know medieval armor and having the mechanics for it and down the road uh when magic was was introduced into the game it changed the way the game was portrayed it's no longer this kind of um simulation it is now a story it is now something fantasy oriented and it's pretty much been one of the most backbreaking mechanics of the entire game <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying the game would be simpler if everybody was a fighter or a rogue or a monk but pretty not much. magical <laughs> yeah pretty I much mean, hold on there's a spell called wish that lets me do whatever i want Sort within of. DM within DM's uh, how the DM feels that day. Yeah, but, but if you use that it. option, you have a thirty three percent chance of never being able to cast it again. Also, all of the negatives and all that. Yeah, but my, yeah. that's that's just minor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> By that point. So I think what's interesting, Jackie, is when you propose this, it was let's not talk about individual spells, though those might be examples, but more how does spell casting work, kind of at a at a macro level, right? Because right. once you've been playing the game, you sort of. You understand the mechanics of how different types of spells interact and, and casting times and everything. But it really is a lot to get your arms around. And mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier, there are definitely some facets of spell casting that some of us ignore or forget because <laughs> there's a lot to remember. <laughs> we just want to do cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely one of the, the harder mechanics to really wrap your head around, especially since mm-hmm. um, the classes that implement spell casting have, of, have flavorfully different ways of implementing magic and then mechanically have different effects that are usually going to be unique to that class even though spellcasting is supposed to be kind of universally like oh everyone has access to it mm-hmm. yeah well since we're talking about uh, the difficulty of it and everything like that like what do you what would you think in terms of elements of spellcasting provide the most confusion to someone trying out a caster for the first time uh the one element that that will always stump new players from the get-go it is at uh, character creation and always doing the course of play preparing spells versus yep. spontaneously mm. knowing spells that confuses yeah. everyone till the day they die <laughs> i i will say i that's why i have encouraged players yeah. who want to play spellcaster to do i'm like let's just Put you sorcerer to start, then you have a very defined list of spells or something where you're not having to choose. Because I, I think you're right; it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Not that it's bad, but that does add a complication. It gives you more freedom, but it gives you opportunities also to have the wrong spells too. Where you're like, I could have had the spell we really need. Darn it! Oh, I could do create water, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I find that a lot of people trip over as well is spell slots versus mm-hmm. how many they know or mm-hmm. have access, like. Preparing versus knowing versus slots. And I'm always like, slots is how many you can cast per day, guys. But you might not know that many or you know way more than that. And I'm like, I don't yeah. I don't understand. And I'm like, uh, how can I put this into terms that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Spell slots is the actual power that you have. That is your actual power. Yeah. What you know is you're prepared. Or what you have access to. Yeah. And that's how I see it. But mm-hmm. Yeah, if they have two prepared and they have two slots, they can cast each one once. 
or or, they or can cast one the, or yeah, one but twice, they right. they think they can only cast each one of those once, and I'm like, no, 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 you can cast one once, you can cast one twice, you can cast each one once, <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I'm like, Well, funny you should mention that because actually the way you were describing the you have two slots and you only can cast one spell per slot is inspired from actually the grandfather of how D&D spellcasting was originated. (laughs) Tell us us the story. Story time with Jackie. Okay, so for those, so okay, so for anyone who's played Dungeons and Dragons since pretty much first edition or even for new players now, the way that this 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 uh mentality of okay i have two spell first level spell slots and i have the ability to prepare two spells okay i will prepare two different spells and when i'm casting them i have in in older editions it used to be you can only choose you can only use one spell slot for that one spell and so it and then but in fifth edition now it doesn't matter how many spells you put in in the allotment for that spell level spell level anymore it just matters that you have spell slots and so for example you prepare you have two spell slots you have two spells prepared so say it, one of them is magic missile you can cast magic missile twice and use up all your spell slots or you can cast magic missile and the other spell you have it's up to you or you can cast the other spell twice it's entirely up to you but the way that the old uh the older uh mentality of you only can cast magic missile once and then you you don't have access to it anymore comes from a term called venetian spell casting which is derived from uh jack vance's novel series the dying earth uh and in that in that portrayal of magic uh wizards actually could only prepare a certain amount of spells per day um because it, it, it was a representation of their mental faculty and as well as their physical capacity through com- material components um so it wasn't that you know it wasn't really you cast a spell and forget it forever it was more of you can only physically and mentally prepare to cast this spell so many times before it just wrecked your body and so that is how it was portrayed and in a way, that was how it was carried over in especially 2nd edition and 3rd edition. But by the time we got to 4th and 5th, the portrayal of magic has kind of changed. 5th um, edition's brought sort of that feeling back, but now it's got it's added a lot more um, openness. And so, it's, it, so that's where the confusion starts happening, because most people are thinking to themselves, oh, I can only cast this once. And this is something that's permeated from cultural uh reasons because D&D has influenced culture in so many different mm-hmm. places in different ways that uh this actually has somehow become an artifact of how we interpret magic now. That's a good point. It does kind of have sweeping implications. I think kind of we were coming at the accessibility level and Rachel was talking about it like what what goes wrong for new players. I think part of it is also there's all these facets of a spell, mm-hmm. right? Beyond just even how do I prepare it? How do I know it? How do I cast it into? But what is this whole like somatic thing? Like what the mm-hmm. heck is that? Like what are <laughs> yeah. what are components? Like yep. they, they become all it becomes a little bit of like a I don't know like a flight checklist for new players a little bit. They're <laughs> like, have you met all these criteria before you can take off? Like. <laughs> Did I, do I, does it have verbal components? Did I say what I'm supposed to say? Does it have the somatic components? Did I wave my hands in the air appropriately? <laughs> Did do I, I flutter my right, arms? <laughs> do I have the right materials that I need in order to cast the spell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of that is, I will say as a DM, especially early on, I kind of just didn't worry about a lot of that. I was more just like, did you prepare it? Do you, or, or no, it depending on your class. And mm-hmm. do you have the right casting time? 
I don't really care about much else because I was more just like, let's survive and figure this out. Mm-hmm. But as you get into more complex situations, more of those details matter. Like, do you have access to the resources to cast your spell? Mm-hmm. Which I, I know we had sort of an interesting Twitter thread that started apparently just because I tagged Jackie <laughs> on Twitter. People were like, spell casting components. <laughs> <laughs> It's like whoa, buddy. And you know, for uh, and and the thing is, it, it really comes from like the heritage. Like I guess you could say, like your heritage in the game. Like if you're coming from, uh, for example, my 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 origins are mostly from the end of A D and D second edition to the beginning of third edition, and so there's a difference in power level from casters than there is now. Even though spellcasting is still the most powerful feature in the game, uh, the portrayal of magic has definitely shifted a lot from those editions since. And back in like more older editions, magic is the end-all solution of of everything. Oh, we, we have a mob to deal with? Oh, we'll just cast the one fireball. I may not be able to cast it for the rest of the day, but I solved the problem right away. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Fireballs do solve a lot of problems. Great, they, they also they create do. new ones, but they do solve problems. They, they do. Oh, everything's on fire now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a good point. It sort of has changed over time. We started in 3.5, and I would say I was a sorcerer who overall, I was not very good because I did not understand what I was doing, and it was not very accessible. So even now, where I mentioned there's all the stuff you have to do for 5e, it, it did not feel as... It's harder to make bad choices, I think, in 5th edition. Like, even if you prepare the wrong spells or you pick the wrong spells, you would really have to go to a lot of effort to be not a capable caster, even with poor choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there's there's that's one of the strengths of 5th edition, at least for me, compared to 3.5, where... I chose really bad spells because I was like, I'm going all in on fire. Oh, wait, there's other things you want to do with spells? So you went, the the thing that you did, though, is you went all combat focused. Like, you were really great in combat for burning everything. I was. It was all fire. You had utility outside of combat. No, no, I wasn't supposed to have utility in my (laughs) idea Yeah, sorcerers and utility leads to basically you're a useless caster. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Mm. Just go pick your thing, go all in. But at the same time, I I definitely, that was not a very well-built character because I was very clueless. You had a clueless DM as well, so. <laughs> we learn as we go. People who are listening are like, they keep bringing up the tragic game again. They need to move on with their lives. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we will always, you will always remember those games where you made some poor choices. <laughs> it was. It's not just even that. It was our. It was Bethany and my first game playing and Rachel's first DMing. Yeah. Oh, wow. On top yeah. of so that. Yeah. yeah, of any, any tabletop role-playing game for us. Like, oh. we had no foundation. I'm like, I have played video game RPGs. But anyways, yeah, it's still, we refer back yeah. to it because we made only bad choices as yeah. players. <laughs> only and the I worst only choices. I only let them make bad choices as a DM. I'm like, sure. But, so, but referring back to that Twitter thread, people feel much more strongly about components than I ever would have imagined. Oh, no, it's a serious debate topic. Um, it is How? Why? It, Why do people care so much? Um, it has a lot to do with a kind of, it, it, it delves into the way of how people play their, their D&D games. Um, you're going to have players who are usually going to be more about the story and narrative and so they're not going to be so i guess um overbearing about details and then you're going to have uh games and scenarios and situations where scarcity does matter and they do care about those certain details um especially since casters are still very powerful they want to make sure that they feel like you're going to have a you're going to be rewarded for your power and actually go through effort as opposed to um, some portrayals. It feels like magic is just too good regardless. And 
it, it really just feels for a lot of people that for material, especially for certain parts of the components, like material components, especially, um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very, it's very flavorful. Um, especially when you're thinking about things like for Fireball, for example, it's iconically in its entire history has always been the material component of having a pile of bad guano. Yeah, yep. of course. That's mm-hmm. what it logically makes sense. Yes, but <laughs> it explicitly states bad guano. So it, it's just one of those things that it, it, it's very, it has a very deep, um, heritage to the spell. And it's one of those things that a lot of people are going to feel that it's, it's an important representation of both the aesthetic of the spellcasting and also for in situations in storytellings where um, scarcity and supplies do matter. So I, I got to ask then uh, for your opinion on this, then what are your thoughts on the arcane focus, at least that 5e has, that basically says unless the material component has a cost, the arcane focus is your material component. You've got your pouch. You got your, you've got a, a pile of bad guano on reserve for whatever you need it because you have harvested a bunch in your lifetime or something weird. <laughs> There's a story there. There, there, there are yeah. stories there. Um, we've actually, ha- I've, I remember my Forgotten Realm days where we actually had to actively look for like a bat infested uh, cave so I, I can <laughs> literally harvest ton- metric tons worth of bad guano to f- toss fireballs in down the road. <laughs> Um, so there was like one bag of holding where you, you really should not actively touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah don't, uh, don't, don't look in that one. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't that. look in that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, focuses are kind of one of those things that um, was something that was first introduced in fourth edition to kind of mitigate that kind of um, that that punishing quality that most players always felt, especially in older editions who, especially for new players who felt, why do I have to keep track of these things? And um, especially when in fourth edition, it made more sense because all the character classes were very balanced against each other. So it, it, it wasn't like magic was like the most powerful feature anymore. And so there was kind of no need to have basically to punish the players for not having material components. So it just felt more like, well, we can, we can give you a focus that acts as a, uh, mystical conduit. And on top of that, we can give you a new magical item type that we can now start creating more uh, design opportunities for ourselves and for as options for the players. Uh, because I can tell you in 4th edition, there were a lot of magic items that used magic focuses that have extra abilities and bonuses all the time. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I would say... Really, the time it has come up in my game of 5th edition that we really do care about components is like this, it happened just this past Saturday in my game where we were going over, all right, have we invested in the materials for Revify? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, Rachel was like, I'm pretty sure we we banked one, <laughs> we got another, do we want to buy another one? And I would say probably early on, I was pretty permissive, like, if you guys have the money, I'll say you bought it. I don't, I don't mind too much. But uh some people would prefer to make that something that really drives the story forward is making sure you are managing those resources. Or if you're somewhere like you're wandering in the Underdark, where well, are you going? Happened. Where are you going to find that perfect gem that you need? <laughs> right. And it, it really kind of fits, it depends on how you're facilitating the story. Like, especially like in Out of the Abyss uh, mm-hmm. adventure module where scarcity is a real thing. Um, not having material components can be very devastating and it can definitely influence your choices. Yeah, I will say there were points I, okay, my character was good, but like, you know, <laughs> sometimes you're like, you choose to be good, right? Uh, and there were a couple times where we met people who might have needed some greater restoration and I was like looking at our resources going, sorry, I don't think we can afford it right now. I mean, I, uh, 50 gold uh, 
gem per use, I think it was. Yeah, which is a, which is a lot, especially when you can't go and get the gems. So there were a few NPCs who I was like, I hear your hard luck story that the Underdark has driven you crazy, but um, yeah. we can't really fix you right now. <laughs> uh, hold on. You can apply again later once we are back in funds. <laughs> <laughs> we will consider your application and see what we can do for you, see if we can place you, you know, with some healing. Uh, for now, we'll lesser restoration you, some, you know. Keep the crazy down for a little bit, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and that's and that's a and that's a great, but that's still a very great role playing example of like you know where the story can be driven by scarcity. But it it, it and it feels like that where for those kind of stories where it's important. But when it comes mm-hmm. to like oh, I'm in the middle of a of a metropolis where I'm well funded and mm-hmm. there are stores everywhere i shouldn't have a problem <laughs> and so it's just one of those things that you know it, it really just depends on where you are in your story and how if, if it is relevant and and that's just one of those things for dungeon masters they have to decide for themselves like is it relevant at this particular moment yeah and, um, like like, <laughs> yeah. Was saying, like i i had ha- having run out of the abyss where there's lots of points where they're not in any city not capable of getting uh, and I just looked it up just to confirm the diamond dust worth a hundred gold to cast a greater restoration. Sometimes it's been like, okay, I know you have this spell, you can't cast it yet. Yeah. You haven't been to a city, like you just got it. You haven't been to a yeah, city that, and it be, just it works story wise. Yeah, to be fair, out of the abyss is basically like the Oregon Trail, where you're like, <laughs> we have fortified our wagon with resources, but we need to make it to Benzoberanzin. So we need to make sure we have what it takes to survive to get there <laughs> through months and months of travel, which is the entire reason that my character was a ranger because i was like i don't want to (laughs) wander the underdark and get lost and die because that is a sad story (laughs) it is a very sad story because you're you're gonna there's more terrors in the underdark to kill you than there are (laughs) right right the underdark's already trying to kill you don't let it starve you to death or you know drive you insane um oh yeah with that it's like yeah you could starve you can get lost. You can get killed by the normal Underdark monsters. You can get killed by demons. You can lose your mind. Yeah. All just between two places. All between two places. And God forbid if you start incorporating like the Dark, then you also get planar transport out, out, out of that and then send oh. to the whirlwind of forever of darkness and terror. Slow terrors. down, Satan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or you can be enthralled by like an, aber- an, ab- an aberration like an abolith. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, these Who things knows? can happen. Yeah. No, it's fine. You, I mean, go and try and make a deal with some of the beholders down there. It's okay. Yeah, they, they yeah. you know, they won't ponder about, you know, just disintegrating you on the spot for, for just sportsmanship. <laughs> yeah, for funsies. Yeah, why not? You have to do something to fill the time, okay? Like, when you got a long life, you got to do stuff. That's just how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Hobbies, they're important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hobbies, really? Hobbies. They're hobbies. hobbies are important. For a beholder, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. I, I, I actually remember it in one Underdark game I ran once. Um, I had a beholder run a like kind of an, an arena, so there was gladiators and everything that, and they were all prisoners. So the the players had to fight against every kind of conceivable terror out of the oh, Underdark. <laughs> and I think the worst one was the Umberhulks. <laughs> oh, Umberhulks are pretty terrible. The, the look is what's nasty. Nasty. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's rough, but I, I don't know. Facing against an entire mosh pit full of black puddings was pretty bad for them. Oh no! Yes. Never mind that one. <laughs> Rachel I says pick yes. that one to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we've hardly like dipped a toe in the pool of what the parts of spellcasting are. We've talked about a little bit about casting time, a little bit about components, a little about the whole you know 
sabbatic and <laughs> verbal somatic and material material components but uh we haven't talked about uh like rituals which oh, drive uh, me up a wall because oh i forget i forget about them until i until somebody says is that a ritual tag and i'm like mm-hmm. so certain spells have the special tag ritual such a spell can be cast following the normal rules for spell casting or the spell can be cast as a ritual the ritual version of the spell takes 10 minutes longer to cast than normal but it doesn't expend a spell slot which means the ritual version of a spell can't be cast at a higher level. I just um, had a, I just had a realization, Tony. I've what? been misreading this. It takes ten minutes longer, so it takes ten minutes and six seconds. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. well, the six seconds is digging all the stuff out. Yeah. yeah if I the don't. normal casting time's in action, I just ignore that. I, yeah. I don't. Does it really matter? Yeah. But it's just the insult of it all. But then there's spells I mean, that should be rituals, like prayer of healing. Yes. I'm really surprised that one isn't. I was it, surprised as well. <laughs> well. It basically is, except it takes a spell slot. Yeah, yeah. it's like. The, and every time I see it's like some like and somebody will instinctively make that mistake of choosing prayer of healing and then telling me oh we're gonna cast prayer of healing in the middle of combat and I'm like you do realize that's a 10 minute casting time spell right Rachel, <laughs> Rachel. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got this awesome spell wait what wait, never mind <laughs> it's like wait no prayer of healing is not the one I meant healing word that yeah. one <laughs> the and, then, and then you're like this healing is really puny <laughs> yeah, I, I won't lie it was like definitely one of those spells when you look at it you're just going it probably should have been a ritual, but it would have been too good as a ritual. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. great spell when you have the time. It, it gives yeah, you- Yeah, I mean, an extra little bit, like, just of health, if you don't have that full short rest time span, especially, mm-hmm. it can be really useful. Oh, yeah. But that so, also means you don't get to spend the spell slot. No. So I'm trying to remember, I think we started talking this before we actually started recording, about casting times and uh, casting- spells uh, multiple spells of the yep. same turn and how sorcerers are wonderful slash ruin everything depending on your perspective for how quick and spell <laughs> yeah so twin spell what are you talking about oh <laughs> man the, the twin wor- spell don't know no, no no you know what's worse <laughs> when you actually use both of them together on one spell i know so do you want to explain <laughs> so, how how that works <laughs> sorcerers have all of these different abilities that allow them to essentially like power up their spells cheat it allows them to cheat because <laughs> well, all their magic's innate, so instead of learning how to cast the spell, they learn how to manipulate the spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I love sorcerers. Metamagic, which, mind you, being a sorcerer is awesome. DMing for someone who is a sorcerer, ah. Uh, um, <laughs> but how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, so, so for reference, the spells have casting times. You've got your actions, your bonus actions, and your reactions. And for most people, it's pretty straightforward. You're typically casting one spell per turn, and for the most part, it's going to be an action. And then your bonus action, you could do something else, or more likely, you just sort of stare for a second because you don't have something really valuable to do with your bonus action. Yeah. Which always makes me sad when I'm like, but I'm not maximizing my turn. Action economy. (laughs) Uh, But sorcerers basically get to break those rules and have the opportunity to cast more than one spell per turn. Yes. And manipulate um, spells because And of manipulate spells. And so. manipulate the spells. So, uh, twin spell allows a sorcerer to cast, I believe it's a single target. Yep. Uh, has to be a single target uh, spell, but they can cast it to two targets. <laughs> right, so in other words, spells that can t- that have the ability to target multiple enemies uh, such as Scorching Ray or Magic Missile actually is not applic- applicable. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, just uh, easy one firebolt that can just target one enemy now he can essentially turn it into like an eldritch blast type thing and target two so what we were talking about was that sort of restriction is you can't cast like two 
leveled spells together in the same turn. Even if you're using your meta magic to allow you to cast two spells, one of them has to be a cantrip. Specifically, I believe it is, you cannot cast a bonus action leveled spell and then your action has to be a cantrip. Right. Correct. Yeah, you're right. That um, I think I didn't understand that restriction when I first started DMing with a very low level sorcerer. And then as it got higher level, I was like, I get it. Uh... I don't need more than one fireball per turn. Granted, if you multiclass and got action surge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> action surge is the one way that a caster can cast two leveled spells in a single turn, which is how I found out uh, <laughs> double disintegrate. Yeah, it does double disintegrate. It's the best. Yeah. When you yeah, swing the that, best. it's the best. <laughs> or the worst if you're the DM. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm usually the DM who's casting the twin double, you know, disintegrate. Then you're fine. (laughs) Then you're good. Yeah, my players hate me for it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, basically, uh, most bonus action spells, like, you can cast it as a bonus action, but you have to use a cantrip as your action if you want to cast another spell. Which brings up, we haven't really talked about cantrips. I love cantrips. I want cantrips. I go out of my way to get cantrips. What do you guys think? I'm a big fan. I love cantrips, especially the way they've been portrayed uh, ever since uh, fourth edition. Um, that was the best improvement. It it increased the versatility of casters so much. Yeah, so they have, they're yeah. like, I can't do a bunch of these things all the time, but I have a few things I can do consistently. And whether that's some, you got your your firebolt, you know, just I run out spell slots. I still got something I can do, or it's something lower level that like guidance i think mm-hmm. is a really underrated spell it's very that lets, good that gets, lets you give just a little buff to your friends like mm-hmm. hey i believe in you buddy you, you go get this. them when <laughs> you know you're going into something as like just i have all the time like oh i'm just gonna try to do something oh guidance here's a d4 mm-hmm. and a d4 for you and then a d4 oh you want to try something d4 for you <laughs> you yeah. can do it buddy you can yeah. do it do you have any favorite cantrips rachel so when i played uh nyx i spammed chill touch and mm. uh frostbolt every chance i got <laughs> that was it, your your warlock <laughs> in and out of combat like oh there's a fire that needs to be put out frostbolt 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 <laughs> he's like sure it eventually goes out i'm like yes. yeah so nope. the thing that you, that's so great about them is that it still takes a you know a casting time so you're still investing the time to do it mm-hmm. but it's not using up your spell slots because you're like i know this like the back of my head i could do this in my sleep mm-hmm. so it gives you that flexibility yeah to do it out of combat too because otherwise i will admit as a player i don't like to use my spells out of combat unless i need to because i'm like i might need these for combat i'm sorry guys i need to hoard these for later Bethany can attest to this. I had an NPC that used Shocking Grasp as a joy buzzer. Nice. And I was like, that's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say I I always love Shocking Grasp. It's one of those very useful, like, oh, I'm being attacked by something in my face. Uh, I'm going to Shocking Grasp it. And, oh, it has no reaction now. I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for your time. I am leaving now. Yeah, cantrips are really, really did help improve the game. Um, the best part also is for the ones that deal damage, they scale. So they mm-hmm. actually keep up with martial characters like the fighter. Well, not really, but they, 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 <laughs> they, they can keep try. Up, they can try. They can keep up definitely with like the, the uh, martial characters that only get two attacks for their extra attack actions. And those are fine. Fighters are the only specialty ones where it's like, uh, you can deal like a bucket of damage. <laughs> <laughs> and attack and attack and attack and attack. Uh, yeah. God forbid if you're a champion, champion fighter with all those crits. Hey, attack and attack hey. and attack and attack and action surge, attack and attack and attack and... 
Oh man, God, God I, love, I love fighters. <laughs> fighters are always good. I yeah. I never yeah. stop loving fighters. It's okay. Oh, yeah. We just did the multi-classic episode. I was like, who shouldn't multi-class to get an action surge and a second wind? I mean, everybody needs that in their life. Just oh, two yeah. levels. Just two levels. Two levels. Yeah. yeah. And then you might as well go for four, so you get the ability score. Like it just makes sense. Everybody should just be a, like a good part fighter. In my it, opinion, it depends. Like if you're if you're like a 18th level wizard and you took two levels in fighter, the action surge is pretty powerful already. Yep. Because you still get the signature. You still get one of the signature spells, and that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, I will say the other most p- other spellcaster potent build is like three sorcerer and and 17 wizard just so you can keep your ninth level spell slot you lose that on the signature yeah. spell but that's irrelevant because you get meta yeah. magic who cares yeah you <laughs> could yeah. you could do anything you want man we've talked about sorcerers a lot we all must really like sorcerers <laughs> no, sorcerers are really powerful uh yeah, and they're fun. i'm more of a yeah. warlock person myself well warlocks i get that warlocks have the best utility out of practically everyone except maybe clerics <laughs> well as long as you're running the right kind of campaign if you're not getting those short rests though then your yeah. warlock yeah. falls apart really fast and you're like they guys, do. I'm so tired. I <laughs> use my magic spell. Magic is hard. Those invocations, though, the yeah. invocations are good. Sweet. That's what gives warlocks. That's what like, gave some me my serious <laughs> power. So yeah, so Rachel, you want to explain about your your warlock's invocation? Uh, so I took the one where I could do polymorph like once per day. Uh, and then <laughs> polymorphed myself into a T Rex because <laughs> why not? Um, what else are you doing with your life? What else am I doing with my life? I mean, I'm a warlock without Eldritch Blast, so everybody already gives me a hard time anyways. <laughs> I just turn into two re- T-Rex and stomp on him. Um, my my <laughs> warlock build was, though, she was built to be like a mid to melee fighter because uh, she was undying light. So she went in, stabbed things, knocked down, poofed back alive and did a lot of damage and then kept going was her whole build, which was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. But that's the real goal. That's What's the real fun? goal. It's just to have fun. She was also ridiculous. But um, I don't know. I think that's one of my, like, the favorite ones that I did when I went to 17 Warlock 3 Fighter. So I got the extra fighter bonuses. Just because looking at level 20 Warlock, I was like, eh. Like, it's not jumping out at me. But man, Chill Touch and, <sighs> and like, Frostbite and all those little dinky spells. And I'm like, I kill everything with them. Yeah. All those cantrips. It's so good. So, okay. So I'm going to bring up my biggest gripe with playing a caster, which is I played casters. I played melee fighters. I I love both in different ways. But the thing that I think drives me crazy as a player in DM sometimes is those area of effects for spells and the rage. Because there are so many times where you're like, I have the most brilliant spell solution to a problem. Wait, let me do math and count squares and figure things out. I know other people resolve that differently. But it can be very tricky with some spells, just figuring out where is my spell going off? How much do I like my allies? And uh, how many enemies am I trying to go after right now? It requires uh, like some extra mental effort. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's where can I put my fireball okay, to okay. kill the I maximum was, yeah. amount of enemies, but not hurt my I'm, allies? I was trying not to be a cliche, Tony. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but that I, is you. <laughs> I will say though they they did they they gave one class that ability for for the sake of it and it was yep. like you know they, they actually no two because sorcerers have that ability but the wizard has the best the evocation, right. wizard, the evocation is, wizard is the best one 
Uh, it's one of the strongest builds, actually, because of the fact that you can just target anything that has an evocation spell and just be like, well, everything that deals damage that I don't have to, I don't have to worry about my allies anymore because they will always be protected. They autosave, they take no damage, and yep. I just kill everything around them. Yeah, because I can shape my spells around yep. them. <laughs> sculpt, yeah. sculpt spell, I think is what yeah. it's, yeah, sculpt the ability yeah. is called. It's, it's probably the most potent feature that the wizard gets, or the evocation wizard gets. Um, over channel is kind of fun, but definitely the the sculpt spell is the is the is the pinnacle. The one thing for that though is I had uh, Chris had an evocation wizard for our Orenthal campaign, and he's like, "All right, I can put the fireball here," and I'm like, "Just quick heads up, if I had it mentioned, all the buildings around you are old and all are made of wood." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, but oh." Oh. Wait, no, I can protect creatures. <laughs> do I want everything to be on fire? And I think we all said, just just do it, whatever. We'll, we'll deal with it later. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll deal with that fallout. But, okay, so, but part of the reason I brought up the whole, like, I have a gripe with this is it takes me back to, like, geometry class where i'm like shapes cones cylinders spheres is this why we had math was it preparing for D? that's all it was preparing for D. yeah because i think that gets really like i do okay with most of them i will admit we when we're doing like something that is a cone we use mats and we use a little code shape and that helps to visually put together, but then I'll be I'll have a, like a cylinder pops up, and I'm like cylinder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, so I I have advice for that. Um, usually, what I like to do is I used to like to take those old trans. When I was in college and I was poor, I had transparency paper, and I would mm-hmm. actually measure out the dimensions for all the spells. Now, back in three five, the dimensions for spells were actually less. Uh, geometrically accurate and more <laughs> square grid like so it was like to pixelate it so yep. it, it it was easier to craft those um in fifth edition now it's more it's more geometrically correct so it's like okay well we're just going to ambiguously assume if it's in the lo- if your if your mini is in the line of the effect it is considered attached to the effect so right luckily in, in the modern age of this of this mainstreaming of D&D. It, there's companies now that create these spell templates. They mm-hmm. don't cost a whole lot. Um, I know Arknight was one that I uh, bought from, and I bought, like, for $40, I think. It was, like, for just the wizard spells, and it has, like, templates for the most famous, like, average uh spell sizes so you have like the fireball size you have the small 10 foot square you have like a nice little ruler to help you measure up to like 120 feet and then you also had cones of various sizes and they even some of them even even included like the spell names because they knew you're you're going to be using this for fireball (laughs) well let's be honest (laughs) it's like here's the spell here's the spell damage here's the here's even to tell you how to like the the the, what uh saving throw the enemies need to make Mm -hmm. and how far away that you can put this circle from you so it was like it was nice. It was very handy. It was very helpful. It was good for my players to visualize it, um, especially as 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 you said, Bethany, with all the ca- uh, casters with their area effects. They sometimes have to go. Uh, where am I angling this? Yeah, how am I look at this? Is yeah. there uh, heaven forbid? There's different levels of terrain, right? Because uh, that things get really squirrely. Yeah. But oh, it- someone's flying. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you have to check if it's a sphe- if it is a sphere or not because some effects right. are not yeah. a sphere at all. And then you're like, oh, so they don't actually include them? No, <laughs> right? Yep. I I would say when it's when you compare that to you know your rogues, your fighters, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna stab that guy, or I'm gonna <laughs> hit him over the head with an axe. Like uh, there's a certain elegance to the simplicity of it, but I mean, you just don't get to wipe out you know 
30 kobolds all at once with your axe. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they did not bring Cleave back. <laughs> <laughs> There's the battle master ability but yeah it's not as good as like 3.5 cleave or great I, I, cleave yep 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 i've i've yeah i agree <laughs> goes yep, yep 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 so one thing we haven't talked about i know it's not our questions is the thing i forget as dm and i'm really lucky my players tend to remember is concentration mm-hmm. because yeah if, i mean i remember it for what i'm controlling but when i like a PC has a concentration spell, I'm like, I have no awareness of what's going on. How long have you been concentrating on it? I lose all track of that. And overall, it's usually a, oh, shoot, I just got whacked over the head for 50 points of damage. I think I have to make a concentration check. And I'm like, thank you for remembering points for honesty. But yes, you have to make the check. (laughs) Yeah. And there's there's so many different ways people keep track of concentration. And um. Also, the other thing, for concentration for most spells, at least the combat-oriented ones, like, they're generally going to be, like, they, 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 you can tell, if it says up to one minute, you know, this is probably for combat only, because most combat should not last longer than ten rounds, unless it's, like, one of your big, epic boss battles that you're like, yeah, this is going to take more than ten rounds, but I, I will say that for a lot of other spells that concentration it is very easy to forget and yeah. one of the things like i usually do like on the when uh, when i write down initiative for my for my players is just like okay are you casting a spell that has concentration all right i write a check mark and that's all i have to do to remind myself like okay i'm going you have a concentration check to make uh, after i hit you Maybe I'm nice or I'm lazy where I'm like, I trust you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we are pretty good about remembering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are good. I forget, but you guys are really good. For me, it's like, yeah, no, I, I forget too. And I forget sometimes for my enemies, but the players will remind me too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, remember that banishment spell or that whole person? <laughs> I wail on him. Concentration check for him. Like, oh, oh, yes. Actually, oh, yeah, you're right. I know. It's like, like, I just did 30 points of damage. Concentration, sir. Concentration <laughs> check. Yep. Yeah, yeah. then we say things like, sucker. Yeah, we yeah. get very, very into it. I do notice that from when we, like, you know, three years ago when we started playing to now, we've definitely, like, improved a lot in the concentration mm-hmm. stuff. Before, I, I mean, like, two years ago, if you asked what a concentration spell was, I've been like, I couldn't name one off the top of my head. Now I'm like, oh, all my smites, this, that, the other. <laughs> yeah, I did have to, to police a little more early on, especially like, no, no, you can't cast those two spells at the same time because they're both concentration. I'm sorry. As mm-hmm. big as your brain is, you can't think about both of them at the same time. I'm sorry. That's simply <laughs> not done. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a bummer for some types of casters where you realize, oh, man, I have so many awesome concentration spells. I want all of them. Or, or we could just Rangers. be going back to 3.5 D&D where you could literally do that, have like literally seven spells on concentration and just be like and just be like all right i got all the buffs um i'm a god uh, that's it i'm done i'm walking away now <laughs> but at the same time you also could have arcade spell failure yes which i hated <laughs> yeah Let, let's be happy that when when we finally moved on to other editions that was like the one thing that easily went away like from the get-go we were yeah. like oh yes thank you that idea that you're like sorry yeah. i'm just suddenly bad at what i do i don't know why just magic yeah. <laughs> Magic doesn't work right right now. Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, the whole... And the thing is, it's a complete design philosophy change from Mm 3.5 to... Especially from 3.5 to 4th and 5th. Like, the Mm -hmm. design philosophy has drastically changed. It's no longer... Especially when 4th came around, like, the mentality of design was that we shouldn't be punishing players for their choices. Um, And so so that's why you start seeing less 
negative modifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time now fifth, you barely ever see a negative modifier except for one crazy clause in a spell because it's the only way they can rationalize it. And it's, yeah. and you're, and there's no other way you can do it. But other than that, it's like ever when fifth edition introduced disadvantage and advantage, it was just mm-hmm. like, we don't have to roll, we don't have to do negatives anymore, guys. It's just going to be really <laughs> bad dice rolls. Yep. Yeah, I do appreciate overall the the li- the limited mathing as well because let's be honest, I don't want to say we're bad at math. Maybe we just don't want to be good at math because <laughs> it's more of when you get past sixty six and you're just like, all right, now I actually have to think about math. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think counting is hard. I, mine, I don't think it was so much the doing of the math. It was just remembering right. of all the floating modifiers. Like, yeah. oh, you get plus two from that, but minus three from there, but plus four from there. What are we at? Shoot, I oh, lost track. Right. Like, uh, right yeah, away. That, that happened to me just doing like a Pathfinder game, for mm-hmm. example. Was a, oh, you get plus two for flanking, but minus one because it's not a weapon you're used to, but also a plus four because they're prone. But then don't forget the minus two from the out of spell effect. I'm like, and are you flat footed? Why? Oh, yeah. Oh, God forbid if you're flat footed. Then you have to use a completely different armor class. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. I, I remember like, I, I remember when I started my, my 5e campaign, I actually. I actually didn't completely read all the rules either, and I was still you. Does <laughs> Tony and me, I? Me. I do. I did. I'm one of the few. But sorry, Jackie. Um, I, go on. So, like for example, in my current campaign, I actually don't have the 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 uh, the clause of how spells are supposed to be cast, like two spells per per turn. I actually let my sorcerers and my wizards and everyone who has the ability to do so to cast bonus spell bonus action spells at whatever level they're humanly capable of casting. Oh so, boy, and you are it's a brave monster. man. Oh well, <laughs> it's, it, and, 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 and and to be fair, I do play very high power oriented games because only because my enemies are are merciless and I plan to kill my players. So it's like I will give you any advantage you can get, and I fun and plus my campaign settings like is very set in a world where magic is very um, prevalent. And it's infused into the very air of the world. So to me, it's like, yeah, anybody can cast any crazy amount of spells. I'll, I'll be fine. And somebody just said to me eventually, well, what happens when your casters start getting wish? I'm like, well, they can cast two wishes if they can, if they can do it. Uh, I will just laugh because I'm going to, because the results are not going to be in their favor half the time. <laughs> uh, they can most certainly try. They can most say. certainly try. try. That's a great phrase I use all the time. Uh, I love that phrase. You gotta say it with a, like an eye roll too. Like you can uh, certainly oh, try. try. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's just one of those things that like for I'm happier now with the fact that the mod there's not a lot of negative modifiers, not a lot of floating modifiers to keep track of, and it's just easier to play. I mean, the only thing nowadays, the only thing uh, I will say, the only other element that some people do have a hard time with is the fact that they keep spell attack on a completely separate sheet of paper than on the front of your character sheet. <laughs> I will say I have a lot of issues with how the char- the generic character sheet is formatted. And yes, yep. it does make spellcasting more confusing too, like with the spell slots, the prepare and everything, the way the sheet is structured mm-hmm. is confusing. Yeah. yeah. It, it it definitely could have used some more input beforehand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Our gripes but- are petty and small. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're but also... Documentation matters. Document layout is important. It does. Yeah, it does. And I will say for, I think that's like the other thing too, is like getting used to like being familiar with your spells. It's a lot easier for source, for casters like sorcerers and bards and warlocks because you have, and, and rangers because Mm -hmm. you you already know your spells and you can do, you Mm -hmm. do change them out every once in a while, but you're consistently the same. But, 
for clerics and druids who have the hardest job because they have like this giant library of information to go through and it's never fun. And it, paladins, but and paladins, but paladins have a little easier. <laughs> paladins. Rachel is a paladin fan. Rachel's a paladin. <laughs> I'm a big paladin fan. Yeah, paladins are good this time around. Uh, yeah. yeah. Smash, Whoa, smash, smash. that sounded like the best backhanded compliment I ever. Know. They're good this, this time. This time around. <laughs> I remember three five paladins. You had to be lawful good. Ugh. Ugh. We joke. won't even talk about alignments. Nope. Um, <laughs> Going into the other questions we had, one thing we haven't touched on is modifying or crafting spells. Because okay. um, that's something that, like... None of uh, our players have actually toyed with yet. So I was curious your thoughts on this because it's definitely something that's, you know, an option in 5e is just. Yeah, it's definitely an option. Um, <laughs> I, I will say it, it stems from a lot of like how comfortable a player is with the system. And it also has a measure of communicating with your 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 dungeon master because it, it can easily get either too good or very powerful. To be fair, though, magic is already unbalanced anyways, but we don't want to make it that much more unbalanced. <laughs> we pretend it's not, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I will say a lot of my players, there's only, I will say for the most part, most of my players, uh, they generally, the, the most modification they'll ask is usually um, something along the lines of, can this spell be a different element of... And usually I'll have a different way of, of letting them do it. But for the most part, if they're trying to like create a new spell that's exactly the same as an existing spell, but just a different elemental type, I'm usually pretty good for it. I'm usually pretty gun ho about it, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, we, we have done that, Tony, when we were reflavoring things because, that's I, true. because I was a drow who was a, like a light cleric. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, Worshipper of Elastray, so Moonlight. Different. Yeah. A lot of the spells focused on rather than like, oh, you're casting a spell that has like this blinding light. It's like, oh, it's kind of this silvery moonlight effect rather <laughs> Can than we a just, big blinding light. That way also, but that did make some spell modifications because otherwise some of my own spells would have blinded me because, you know, drow are, drow. are right. not really so great with the light. So that's the farthest we've got, I think. It was yeah. just like, can we make this functional for the character? But uh, I think I'm definitely scared of the overpowered spell problem because I don't see there being a situation where people are like, I created the spell. It's weak. I'm not happy with it. I think it's more like <laughs> I am a god now. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, like designing something from scratch is more like it's more artistic than it is design mm-hmm. than it is uh, mm-hmm. mechanical. I mean, there is going to be mechanics involved, but it's a lot of um, it's it's always one of my big advice I give for people for building for creating their own spells is if the effect is something that's very similar to an existing spell, um, you can you should definitely look at that existing spell. And understand the wording and figure out what you would change, uh, because mm-hmm. sometimes you fi- sometimes you'll find on the end of the day, are you just creating the exact same spell, or is it something unique and different? And you have to look at well, what are you changing? And something as simple as changing the range, something as simple as changing the duration is also is very very likely. But also sometimes changing the nature of the spell itself. Um, one of my examples I will give is for my other upcoming books for one of them. So spoilers for everyone who's hearing this. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, we'll let you know when this is coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, no, no, this this book is nowhere near done, so it's definitely not going to be done for a long time. Um, <laughs> someday. <laughs> someday in the distant future, whenever... Okay, so for my dark Arc- my upcoming Dark Arcana book, there is, like, <laughs> I introduced blood me- blood spells and blood mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, barring that, there there were a few spells. Uh, one of them is basically... The, the effect of the spell is... 
the target eventually gets encased in crystallized blood, their own blood, Ooh. by the way. Oh. It's terrifying. That is horrifying. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, the, so there's actually like crystallized blood emerging out of your skin amorphously, and then you're slowly being encased in this crimson to- tomb. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> Yes, it's great. So, <laughs> um, thank you for that nightmare fuel. You're welcome. Uh, so the thing is, the spell reminded me a lot of like how uh, flesh to stone work, where you're slowly mm-hmm. being consumed and being petrified. And so I borrowed a lot of the original kind of wording from like how that they have to make the saves, and it's the first of three, who whichever one you get. And from that, but I added the part where they're being consumed and they're being restrained because it's 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 crystal so you're so you're actually you, you while you're failing your saving throws you're restrained so you can't move you can't do anything and you're also taking damage so that's the best part <laughs> yeah that yeah that's a good point i think there's a part of all of all people who play casters who want to make their own spells like like you do in like elder scrolls games yeah. where you're like i have the coolest idea for the most weird thing i want to combine effects from other spells and mm-hmm. and and sculpt something new and i think it, it just is maybe a process also of not doing a single version maybe that's the problem is also the idea if i have a spell it's done well you sort of have to test it right the same right. as you would other materials so mm-hmm. there's sort of a process i think of player and dm working together and going all right we're dialing it in it's not quite there yet you burned out an entire village with your uber fireball or whatever it's called mm-hmm. like <laughs> i like that uber fireball, uber fireball. Uber fireball. <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna do that's our go-to spell example it's always fireball <laughs> it, it's a great example everyone loves it always use it so it's a good example because it's cool and dramatic it's like you're in a michael uber. bay movie mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's explosions and everything. Well, See, you haven't played D anD D with kids though, because everything is a Michael Bay movie when you're playing with kids. <laughs> They're like, "I'm going to cast Ray of Frost," <gasps> and I'm like, "It's not Dragon Ball Z, guys." Stop. And like, <gasps> Fine, you do Ray of Frost. Good job. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're committed to the somatic components oh, of yeah. the spell. So, yeah. <laughs> When I tell them that they have the the somatic components, they like lose their minds. They think that's the best, and they're like, "So you get to do like these little hand symbols." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Just like that." Yep. Yep. Just like that. Like, you put you put was it your thumb together with yeah, your yeah, four fingers? The- yeah. 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 You do yeah. like the ninja seals from Naruto. They, you know yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> they do all of that. You're just rubbing your face. Like why? <laughs> yeah. No, I sit there and I let them do it, and then I'm like, "Please just roll your damage." <laughs> well, to be fair, though, like one of my clerics, not not my cleric of Kelimbor, but I did play um, eventually in a, in a, a D and D Egyptian campaign, and my I was a I was a I was a I was a favorite soul of um, Set, so I actually used to make prayers for all of my spells. <laughs> so there was like at least like twenty five prayers I had oh my written gosh. down wow. for casting spells. Some of them were tied to certain spells only, and so like you know, it's nice once in a while when you're having someone committed to the flavor of their yeah. the flavor text of their character oh no i definitely give them like inspiration and stuff for all that but oh yeah at the same time when you're they're like i want to cast this thing and then five minutes later as they're like doing like (laughs) interpretive dance and screaming random words i'm like please just roll your three d's now you know how real casters feel (laughs) (laughs) it gives you this idea of what casters would be like in real life where the fighter's like i draw my sword and i brandish it at the enemy and they're like (laughs) (laughs) exactly but somehow they must do it within like at least six seconds i don't know (laughs) that's pretty extreme yeah you gotta be quick man like it all makes sense yeah 
But um, yep. the the dungeon master's guide does provide at least some basic guidelines. Uh, like when I when I mean basic, I mean like two paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the highlights. <laughs> so yep. the highlights are things like if a spell is so good that a caster will want to use it all the time, it might be too powerful. And I'm, and and realistically, though, if you look, if anyone who's played spellcasters already, there's a few go to spells you always automatically choose because they are good. <laughs> Yeah. Death. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's yeah. there's there's stuff like that that's super powerful, or there's even like small mild things where I like I play a ranger because of hunter's mark. Yeah. I mean, that's always that's handy. What, that's what you do. Yeah. There there. I think it is funny. There is a little bit of wizards. Have you looked at your own spells? Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please double but, check but your still. spell again. Please reread it again. As a DM, I'm telling you, you need to read the wording on that because I just five seconds ago said that they have blindsight and that spell will be unaffected by their blindsight. And they're like, no, no. Oh, oh okay. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, I cast darkness. That does nothing against things with blind sense. <laughs> you blinded yourself. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, now- good. Now, now the party can't see the enemy, but the enemy can see you. Which means they get advantage on attack rolls. Congratulations, yeah. everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tragic. And yet it happens in every game. <laughs> right. And um, I will say the one advice I, I that I like that I, that does come from the DM, the, 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 the Dungeon Master's Guide is... Um, Longer durations or wider areas have lesser effects, and that's mm-hmm. very true, uh, because it's assuming from a mechanical standpoint you're hitting more targets, so you're actually still rolling probably the same amount of dice, but you're hitting you have a wider breath, so you got to lower the dice a little bit sometimes, and that's just kind of more like uh, tweaking it as you're going. And one spell type that one thing I usually do for spell design also is avoid spells that have very limited or f- or niche use. Uh, granted, though, to be fair, there are still a few niche spells, but they're but they still have some occasional utility. Versus, like if you're gonna the one they give in the 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 book is um, a spell that only works against good dragons. Yeah, that's very niche. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, how often you may face against dragons, unless you're playing in a campaign that you're constantly fighting dragons. That's that's a completely different story. Yep. But, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Is well, it's a bit conflicting, right? It should have utility, but not too much utility, right? It has to find kind of that sweet spot where you can't use it all the time. But if you use it never, then there's no point. So it's definitely something I think you find out as you go to some mm-hmm. extent. Definitely go. <laughs> yeah, like in um, like for example, um, I gave at least two custom spells to uh, one of my wizards, and the reason was because he had actually unearthed a tome from like one of the ancient mage civilizations well Ooh. the mage ancient mage civilization and so they 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 were really ridiculous spells but there's a cost to them there was a cost i attached to them and it one of them was was madness so he mm. he's definitely been he has it he has the scroll. He's terrified to copy it to his spell book because he, he is afraid of using it because it's very powerful, but he knows the cost is way higher. <laughs> yeah. Wise man, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. Yep. He's very wise about it. Um, <laughs> he knows it's a trap. Yeah. He knows it's me going, yes, take the bait. And then I have control. <laughs> so so kind of bringing up like player judgment, I think is part of it too. Like. I think there could be a certain point, like I was talking about earlier, where I built a caster, my sorcerer, who just did fire spells. You could have a caster who is planning for a particular type of encounter or general, like, direction for the campaign and then find out, like, in my campaign, we have Nick who plays a sorcerer who has mostly fire spells because that aligns with his whole backstory. And then it was a little awkward for him when it's like, oh, we're going to, like, a fire temple. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're really into fire, huh? Like... 
Like, really, oh. they all use fire? Like, they bathe in let's, fire? <laughs> let me try a fire bolt. Oh, that one's immune, too? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm stab it with my oh. dagger. It's <laughs> <laughs> no. stuff like that happens. Yeah. I think that's just the nature of, of certain types of caster builds, and that's okay. Uh, but that would make it harder also in situations like that to test a spell if you're like, I don't think the spell is going to be immediately useful because of the nature of where they're going and what they're doing. Like... Well, something Tony and I've talked about is like casting spells in the Feywild. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How there's definitely no what? consequences to that, right, Tony? Well, in uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide, there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no specific thing for it in the Dungeon Master Guide. However, having <laughs> researched the Feywild, probably nowhere near as much as you, Jackie, well, but to a yeah, good extent. <laughs> the fact that magic's like, oh yeah, it's like supercharged. All yeah. of it. So, supercharged. So since you've done a bunch of the Feywild and, and other things, have you ever had a lot of situational sort of environmental impacts on casting? Oh yeah, I've employed those a lot. Uh, my players hate me for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> oh, well, no, okay, so they have, they have, they've, they've experienced a dead magic zone before, so they all hate Oof. that. They all hate that with an unholy passion. Fair. Um, and then the wild magic zones are kind of a weird spot. Like some of them like it, and some of them are kind of terrified about it. It's moment by moment for me. I it, would say uh, having been trapped in a wild magic zone for I re- like yeah one session. And and the thing is, I have different magic uh, wild magic tables. I have the five E one, and I have older edition ones. So I I will roll to see which table I'm using <laughs> to decide. <laughs> so it can get very scary on some of them. Um, the worst one I think was the druid in a wild magic zone try to cast um. I think he was trying to cast he- uh, Healing Word. It backfired, and it transformed into a fireball centered on himself. Oh. And, and so he went down, and he took down the rogue with him. Oh. <laughs> and he just looked at himself and just went... He looked at me for a moment, and he just went, I hate you in so many different ways. And I'm like, hey, hey, <laughs> that don't whoa, worry whoa, me. Whoa. And by the way, I, ha- I had him roll on the percentile die. I didn't even yep. roll it. I just went, yep. roll the percentile die, and we'll decide how this goes. And he and he got the result that Lily said, cast fireball centered on yourself. You're just like, great. <laughs> like, awesome. That that did happen to a wild magic sorcerer that was in my game. Yeah. And then Which, my other- In a very small room. Oh. oh, the fireball! <laughs> the fire. Remember, you guys were fighting the uh, the wraith. Oh, you guys were fighting a wraith, level five, maybe six, and uh, you all wild magic zone with the wild magic sorcerer. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's like, "All right, I'm gonna cast the attack spell," and but a little tiny moat of flame just drops to your feet, and it's we like, all go, "Oh no!" no. <laughs> it's slow motion. We know what's happening. Like mentally, we imagine our our PCs turning and trying to run for the door, but it's too, too late. late. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. Yeah. Uh, right after that, it's just yeah. like, okay, you know everyone. This room's tiny. <laughs> everyone make a deck save. <laughs> yeah. There, there's not a whole lot of. Sp- there's no. There's no cover. You're, you're pretty much. You're pretty much just owned by this fireball. <laughs> yeah. So I'm having a realization. There's so much more to talk about. I think we're gonna oh, have gosh. to do a. Par- we'll have to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> future topics exploits spell point variant like we haven't even got on it oh yeah and those we, are big well, topics we also haven't actually talked about saves versus attack rolls on spells yep. mm-hmm. yeah we've only touched on the different types of area of effects different types of targeting there's a lot there's a lot there is a casting. lot there's so much uh, spell casting can just go 
so many different ways. And the day we start getting psionics back into D and D, that's going to cause no problems at all. We'll just blow things up with our so, brains. So, of course, Bethany's character in Orenthal was a mystic. Mm-hmm. Unearth Arcana version three. Unearth Arcana, <laughs> and is a, another mystic, um, different kind, in serviceable plots. I really like psionics. They're so cool. <laughs> yeah, I like the interpretation this time around because it, yes. it fits better with like what they were trying to go with with psionics in 4E, but with a little bit more of a retouch in fifth in fifth edition. But there's also but the way they kind of still did it, I kind of felt like I need more disciplines, like generic disciplines. So it's not just oh, I'm gonna pick every other discipline from every other class. Yeah, it it's very. Uh, I think it's a breadth versus depth thing right now. Like, there's Mm -hmm. every element of everything you could ever want to have as a psionic. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. I'm I'm sticking with the Awakened Mystic this time. Yeah, you did Order of the Immortal for the Orenthal campaign. So the psionic fighter. So Awakened Mystic, which is like the Professor X of Because who doesn't want to be Professor X? I thought of my last character as more like Emma Frost, because, you know, durability and stuff. Good call. (laughs) Good call. But yeah, but we all want to be superheroes, let's be honest. Um, So yeah, I know that'll add a whole other layer, and it did come up in our game like, so wait, are your abilities magic or magical? It's unclear. It's vague. Oh, Oh, gosh. That has so much contention to it as to like, well, it's kind of up to the DM a little bit. Yeah, I remember the 3.5 uh, magic psionics transparency rules. Like, they had to go into so many pages to discuss the separation of the two or the inclusion of the two. And I'm just going, oh, God. I think this we hurts. looked at that and said, let's not worry about that. <laughs> just move on. I, yeah. I wound up having to look at that all of that stuff just because it's like, if you want ease of going into things, psionics is still magic. But I'm looking at Sionis, I'm like, yeah, I can make it so much easier on myself, but that the whole point is that it's also kind of not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I went with the not. It's <laughs> not magic. Not in that same way in any way. So we, we usually do a kind of a wrap up, kind of a, what have we learned today? What have we learned <laughs> so far <laughs> for so spell far. casting? What conclusions did we arrive at based on the things we talked about? <laughs> and I think they're very complex things like magic is hard. But <laughs> cool. <laughs> and fireball. And fireball and is the best fireball. spell because it solves back the guano. problem. And yes, because <laughs> back I'll, guano. <laughs> always carry lots of back guano just in case. Um, but in general, I think, I don't know if I said it before, but I sort of alluded to it. When I have a player who's totally new to, to any sort of tabletop role play game, I don't usually encourage them to go full caster right away, especially if they're not coming in at level one, because it's complicated. And I oh, think yeah. really complicated. And invariably, it's very attractive. Like, what do you mean I can set things on fire by just flicking my wrist? Like, well, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's let's start like, let's, let's start, start small. Start small. Let's start good. Yeah. Let's start you with yeah. stabbing. Stabbing is great. It's like, go for stabbing. Let's go get for you stabbing. some sneak attacks. Then go for the fire. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's probably my way of going around it, but I like casters. I kind of mi- have missed playing one, but as a DM, you get to play all the coolest casters because they're monsters. Oh, yeah. My, my players hate it when I play caster enemies. I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> Counterspell. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about Counterspell. Okay, we'll have to talk uh, about Counterspell next oh, time. Oh, yeah, add that as a topic. <laughs> oh, that yeah. has to be a whole thing on itself, just Counterspell. counterspell. Man, we're gonna have like a great teaser for so our next episode. It's, it's a good thing there's only one reaction, right? <laughs> right. 
I see just Rachel's rage right now. <laughs> uh, brief thing. Tony counterspelled a revivify? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. I, I just recently countered a mass he- cure wound, so Ooh. I know that feeling. I was, I was ready oh. for that one, too, just in case. So, you so my monster. desk weighs like 400 pounds. I would flip that in an instant. <laughs> I would flip this desk. Oh, but see, I, I actually do employ the rule of the caster who's a who's planning to cast counter spell that they must roll an arcana check to identify the spell i do it if you if it is a spell of yours right you, you, you see you see that mode yeah. of flame you're like i mean i know that's a fireball right beyond that fireball. i start to describe it and good luck right good luck. that's what i do too you choose whether or not you want to counter spell this so we have to do a deep but. dive on counter spell we have to talk <sighs> about schools of magic we have to talk yep, about we never okay. got into that. so what did we talk about what did oh, we learn today <laughs> we need to talk about arcane versus divine Yes. Versus yeah. nature, nature style, whatever. But versus Which whatever. nature, like, whatever divine slash nature? nature? Because yeah. divine is technically nature is divine, but it's also not from a deity, so. Nature question mark? Okay, the, we'll add that the, to our list. Yeah, the, the way yeah. they interpreted nature now was just a little weird <laughs> compared yeah. to older editions. Well, even in older editions, like, that was a whole thing, it's but fl- I don't want to get too flaky. into that. But. Okay, so, but what we've learned today is... Material components only matter if you care. <laughs> yeah, if you want to incorporate them. Somatic uh, components are the coolest. Especially if you're a kid. Especially if you're a kid. You unless, you're, unless you know Latin and can do the verbal component part of it. <laughs> oh. Well, they just we yell things. It, it sounds like overall, we're pretty happy with 5th edition and how they do spellcasting. It's not mm. perfect. It's not balanced 100%. But overall, it works. It makes people happy. And yep. you could kind of tweak the rules as you need to for your group. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So next question. Uh, how did you get into tabletop role-playing games? Uh, I got into tabletop role-playing games from literally in high school when a friend of mine just told me, play Neverwinter Nights, and then we'll start talking about Dungeons and & Dragons. And I said, <laughs> um, okay. I don't know what you just said to me, but sure, we'll, we'll just start with that. And uh, actually, Dun- uh, Neverwinter Nights is a game by Bioware that uh, mm-hmm. used the third edition D&D rule set, and it was set in the Forgotten Realms. And that was my introduction of how to the basics of how to play Dungeons and Dragons without me knowing anything. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good primer for that edition because we played mm-hmm. D&D first and then went back and played the game. And I was like, oh, this feels very familiar and comfortable. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, of course, my very first D&D campaign was me playing as a 20th level cleric. <laughs> oh, no big deal. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a big jump from learning how to play the game to, oh, you're going to start playing an epic level campaign. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're well, basically a demigod. first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did kill a god in the end of that campaign, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> there you go. Wait, I'm assuming an opposing god to your god. Yes, actually, cleric. I was a cleric of Kelimvor, and I got to kill uh, Cyric, the god of the, the prince of lies, and that was fun. Uh, huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally yeah, justified. Huh. Totally okay, justified. Okay, sorry. They're, they're saying huh because I might. <laughs> Slight tangent. <laughs> no, no, we don't have to go into it. No, no. I, I might have a thing for trickster gods and be using that deity in my campaign because Princes of the Apocalypse is boring and lame <laughs> until you add trickster gods, and then it's awesome, and your players are like, why do you create the most annoying god? I'm like, I don't create the god. I'm just responding to what you hate. And he's full of lies and mischief and nonsense and, you know, evil. Yeah. So he's he's like yeah. he's the wor- he's like the scheming world, like he wants to rule the world kind of god versus yeah. mask is more of just like I'm just doing it because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. I mess it with you, but I got goals, man. Okay. I'm ambitious. I want to rule. Yeah, that's very Rachel's- true. 
making Rachel's making mean faces at me. <laughs> I can see it. Burn the house to the ground. Hey. <laughs> Love that to would hate be nice him. for him. Yeah. Oh no, we are going to be so happy when he's dead. <laughs> Everyone's always what happy if- when Cyric is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I know for the next question, by the way, we said, how did you get into podcasting? But I know you've talked about getting into podcasting. It's one of your Patreon goals for down the road, right? Yeah, that was something I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, I remember when I first was starting out, um, I thought about the idea of podcasting and trying to do... I, I actually had a few of, uh, close friends and other patrons kind of give me feedback on like what to focus on. And one of the things I, I had thought about focusing on was doing kind of like a little bit of uh, news in the RPG community and in the industry and also covering things um, like world building and how to incorporate ideas and kind of mesh them together, especially when I come up with like crazy ideas, like we're going to combine an anime with a, with a traditional <laughs> fantasy novel and see where what happens with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be bonkers, but awesome. <laughs> yes. It, it, it does end up being bonkers usually, <laughs> but it was one of those ideas. I went, okay, it'd be kind of fun to explore and try to like, bring other people especially the listeners into like what's going on in the community in the industry so because there's always so much happening and not a lot of people know what's happening and by the time someone else finds out it's like six months ago that that this news came out yeah that's how i feel i feel like i'm behind the curve until literally you tell me something jackie that i'm like oh yeah of course there's drama about such and such (laughs) now that you're now that you're telling me i'm fully aware of it like i'm fully aware otherwise but yeah so is that still uh something you hope to do down the road uh if the if the support is there? Yeah, if the support is there, it, it's it's very hard because, like, I actually want to do it well. And so, like, I want to have, mm-hmm. like, show notes, take the time to, like, mm-hmm. research everything and have it all prepared. I've had the audio software for the last two years already. I've been sitting <laughs> on it. So it's not it, – I'm just like, okay, I, I'll get there one day. So what I'm hearing is we just need people to listen to this – realize that you're just waiting for them to flock to you and be like jackie you simply must make this podcast now exactly (laughs) yeah actually the idea was like from that because that was one of my original goals and then now there's this little streaming uh idea coming with it and like i can do the show live and then have it transform into a podcast as later down later on and so that was an idea that i'm kind of like well i would like to sit on that and actually make that happen one day yeah, well, I, 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 that's something I would look forward to. And so far, we're just enjoying getting have you as a guest on our show. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. All so. right. And considering uh, your wealth of knowledge, <laughs> what's your favorite RPG oh, system to play? Oh my goodness! I, I will tell you. I, I dreaded this question for, like the entire. Once I saw it, I, I yeah. just went. I don't know. Oh, I have to think about this. This is very hard because a lot of different systems are good for different things. Right. Okay. We we've offered to rephrase it as things like which system are you most excited to play right now so it doesn't have to be the favorite and all favorites we're not going to check back in a year and be like jackie you lied to us (laughs) you no longer have that as your favorite system it's not a favorite child it's (laughs) but is it but is it (laughs) (laughs) that's why i think people react to this question everyone goes oh no how could you do this to me? Or they go, it's D&D, guys. It's D&D. <laughs> if I want to say for the newest system I'm excited to play right now, it would definitely have to be Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. I knew it. Yeah. They're just yep. like, called it. Called it. I knew it. I knew it. I, I've been talking about it for like, I think Months. since our meetup. And I, I'm just, <laughs> and just me constantly thinking about all the other World of Darkness series that are going to eventually come out. 
I'm super ecstatic, especially since I love Mage the Ascension. Go figure. <laughs> Never would have seen that coming. It's what? not like it's on, yeah, not on brand at all. It's no. not on brand at all. Or, or, or like Changeling, which is also partially on brand. So it's like, yeah. yeah. But I just really like how streamlined it is. It's much more uh, friendly to the storyteller, which is the, the game master. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely um, very narratively driven, which is very good for the uh, current kind of playstyle environment that most uh, new incoming rpg players are for uh, especially like you see how dungeons and dragons has made it a lot easier for newcomers mm-hmm. to get in and if you if a game can do that it it would usually be very successful so i'm really looking forward to it it's um a lot different of a story than what you find in like fantasy stories it's definitely a much it's, it actually has a mature rating so it's gonna have a lot oh. of darker themes yeah. yeah, so Tony and I got to play like a one shot of this at Gen Con, and I was like, it'll be fun. People keep telling us it's awesome. It was fun. It was awesome. But the points where I'm like, what the heck are we doing? We're like melting someone with acid. I don't understand. I'm just along for the ride. Oh my gosh. Everything's on fire. Like, <laughs> everything's was, fine. It was insane. Like, it was fun. And I was like, and I'm not really into vampires, but like, I thought it really encouraged like good cooperation around the mm-hmm. table and made us want to engage with each other. But there are points where I was like, "This is it. This is so crazy." Oh, wait like, until you play other games like being a werewolf or a mage or a changeling. It's it the dynamics are also going to be very similar, but also very different. <laughs> Especially for for werewolves, you're going to get to that point where oh. We're we're probably going to change soon, and we may cause a massacre any second. This might not be good at all. <laughs> this is going to be great. Everything's fine. Yeah, and then yeah. Mages is going to be, oh, look, we want to do this cool thing, and oh, we just caused the world to break, and oh, oh wait, wait, oh, no, oh, no, it's about to break. Oh, God, what are we going to do? we got to fix this. we got to patch it now. <laughs> yeah, everything's on fire or about to be on fire. Yeah. yeah. Literally or metaphorically speaking, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In Mage's case, it's always on fire. <laughs> uh, it, you're just creating patches for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one the the first time I, I I think one of the times I played Mage after a long hiatus, I played in a one shot, and the ending of that one shot literally was the hotel was on fire, and I'm just like, just like normal, nothing, another day in the office. It's expected. <laughs> yeah, don't worry Tuesday. about it. We're we're good, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's all fine. Just, this is normal. Yeah, this is perfectly normal. No, I just like it. It's a very um, pretty user friendly system, and it's just a lot easier for the GM now to run a story and not be boggled down by like the older mechanics. How it was a lot more clunkier, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Nice, very cool. Well, um, final question for our. Intense, hard-hitting journalism questions here. Uh-huh. Yes. We um, ask the tough questions. Oh, yes. We do. do you have a favorite memory or moment you are most proud of as a DM or a player or one of each? Okay. I have one for, for a DM. So it's fate-related. Go figure. Um, <gasps> it actually happened probably the four, our fourth session for my main campaign uh, that I'm doing. And so it's a, it's a three-year-long campaign we, we're still doing. Um been there yeah it, so mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. our dragonborn warlock uh his patron was queen mab and in one of the sequences where he's in a dream and she actually connects with him through dreams um she's she's kind of giving like this edict to him on what he needs to start doing because he acquired like this very powerful magical artifact and she wants it 
he doesn't trust her, obviously, like any sane person would, um, mm-hmm. and is kind of worried about what it could do. And so he's trying to resist. But what she does is she reveals her his entire clan all frozen solid in Ooh. this veil in the Feywild and reminds him of the fact that they're all her prisoners at her mercy. And the one thing I did as a DM is when I, as I was narrating the entire conversation was I eventually, I like to walk sometimes in my conversation. So I walk, I walked around the player <laughs> to the, like literally behind the player and I just leaned in ever so gently into one, into his left ear and whispered, you are mine forever <laughs> and very ASMR style. And he <laughs> literally freaked out and jumped out of his seat. And that was probably the, the most terrifying uh, portrayal I've done of Matt. <laughs> and to this day, my, my characters and all the char- all the players know they will have to eventually go back to the Feywild. But they've been avoiding it for the last two years. <laughs> they've, been, <laughs> they've been actively avoiding it for two years. And as a result of that, they're now going through the time travel arc instead. And I'm just like, you know, you're going to eventually have to deal with the Feywild, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. No, thank <laughs> you. Not if we no, all die you. first. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later, I'm sure. <laughs> My portrayal of Mav is... Very heavily inspired by uh, Jim Butcher's uh, Dresden Files, mixed in with a lot of variations from Arthurian legend and other Celtic legends. So she's five times scarier than she's than she's going to be portrayed in Dresden Files. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just got to amp it up a bit. Oh, I, I just got to make it creepy and scary all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. Yay. Thank you for having me. Yay. We had a blast. I we did have- too. Yeah, we will be having you back again for spellcasting part two. Part counterspells. Two. Dun, dun, dun. Spellcasting, it's going to be mostly counterspell. Oh, it's right. mostly counterspell. Ooh. You're right. It's mostly yeah. counterspell. <laughs> <laughs> the war counterspell begins. Oh, boy. Ooh. Hey, everyone. Today we're going to be highlighting the Patreon for Death by Mage. Our friend Jackie, better known as Death by Mage, works hard to help game masters, dungeon masters, and storytellers improve their craft. How? By providing blog articles and other homebrewed content, like his book, Journey into the Feywild, which is a gold bestseller on the Dungeon Masters Guild. His patrons enjoy benefits like patron-only posts, homebrew content, and custom NPCs, and the chance to have Jackie answer your DM questions. Now, not only is Jackie incredibly talented, he is a kind and generous person that we are so lucky to have the chance to know. If you're interested, please check him out. You can basically find him everywhere as Death by Mage. It's deathbymage.com, Facebook Death by Mage, or on Twitter at Death by Mage. And absolutely check out his book, Journey into the Feywild, on the DMs Guild. So show your love and support and check out the Patreon of Death by Mage.